transmitting to you from Old Heart Radio. I'm recording, recording now. My God. Okay. My God. I don't know if you can tell over this Zoom medium, but I recently shaved, uh, and yeah, my, must- my mustache is uh, a little more tame than it has been in the last like, handful of fucking weeks. I've let it go lately. Let it, I've like I, I was like I was like combing it out, and I had mustache hairs that were touching my bottom lip from like me. Well. When I was like, I'd like leave my mouth open, like ah, and like I had one, I had a couple of danglers all the way down. I was like, this is disgusting. How did, how does anybody want to make out with me? I don't know how my fiance stands me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you look, you look, you look, you look good. So. I appreciate it. Sometimes you know you just got to get that confidence boost, <laughs> which is why you're uh, you're pre- you're presumably listening to. I don't know. That was a bad segue. This is an episode of the Whack Arnold Brothers, as always. Uh, but we're doing one of our little, like, uh, fun little, little kind of, you know, breaks from the the standard episode. Just, we wanted to start digging into the '90s, mainly because, and we're, you know, we're going to be breaking it up like uh, Fitz you mentioned on the last episode the last episode um mainly because there's you know there's a lot to juggle when it comes to the 90s man there's so many movies and they're like and then like i was i feel like we do this every time but i was just so surprised when i started like looking at like 1990 for instance and was like oh my god dude like all these fucking movies came out in in just this year alone i was like holy holy shit like it's gonna be hard to sift through because i try to get some from every year but right you know, like it's hard to slim them down sometimes. 1990s is definitely a little heavy, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's just too much good stuff to, to pass up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, uh, like just like right off of that, I just want to, like, well, let's just jump, let's jump into my first pick then, because it is a 1990 uh, home run, if you ask me. It's okay. ara- arachnophobia, or, like starring Jeff Daniels. I feel like. I feel like everybody forgets that it stars Jeff Daniels, but they yeah, always focus yeah. on John Goodman, you know? Well, I mean? cause his character is more, you know, he's the exterminator. He's kind of a, the more memorable character, I guess you could say, but it's, I, yeah. When I, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but when I was, when we were, when you picked it, I was looking at it again. I was like, Holy fuck. Like you mentioned, I totally forgot that Jeff Daniels uh, <laughs> was in this movie. And this is one of those movies that I always like really wanted to watch when I was young but my sister, my sister is like one of those people that just is deathly afraid of and absolutely hates uh, spiders. So she never, like anytime we go to the movie store, I'd be like, I, I want to watch this, you know, and she'd be like, no, no, no. I mean, for good reason. Like, okay. So in, in hindsight, this movie has some pretty cheesy esque effects to it. You know, like the spider, still creeps me out but like i have issues with spiders i wouldn't say i have like a like arachnophobia necessarily okay. but especially when i was younger like spiders just 
fucked with me, dude. Like I was so like, I would like, I would get like paralyzed with fear at times. If one, like if I was like taking a deuce in the bathroom and like one like comes crawling out of nowhere, you know, and like, and you're just like, Oh my God, like I'm frozen here. I can't fucking move. Like what? that thing's going to like come at me. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, and they, I mean, as, as an adult, I've gotten to the point where, and I don't know if this is good or not. I mean, spiders are good for a lot of things. I try to leave them alone when they're outside. But as an adult, I like if I see one in the house, I'm like, you're in my fucking territory. Squat. And I, <laughs> I feel like the only spider and uh, which is weird to think about this, because when I was a kid, I used to see daddy long legs all the time. And my totally. parents were my parents were like, hey, leave those alone because they'll like take care of mosquitoes yeah. i haven't seen a, a daddy long legs in forever but that's like the only kind of spider that i would let uh you know let go like yeah, yeah. you pass <laughs> but no uh, arachnophobia though man like this movie has some classic moments we mentioned john goodman's character exterminator character um i just remember like the opening of it gave me such creeps like because like it's like there's this whole sh like sequence where they're like uh, the these people are in the jungle and they're you know trying to like capture some spiders or something you know to study and they like i don't know create this like sound wave that like ru like rustles all the trees and then all of a sudden these spiders just start falling from the <laughs> fucking trees i was like that's my that's a goddamn nightmare man like walking through the fucking like jungle or the forest or whatever and all of a sudden like like hundreds of spiders just start falling off oh. the branches or on, on the uh no but Fuck i got that I do have to admit like this, this shameless story, this movie freaked me out so much because it's all, like I said, it's all about spiders taking over, right. essentially taking over a fucking house and then a town really <laughs> like they just, they take it they, But anyway, so I was so terrified that after the, I watched this movie that, that the night I fucking watched this movie, I couldn't sleep. Like I was so afraid that like some gigantic spider was going to fucking get me that I went and this is like distinctly. I remember, I remember so distinctly doing this. I went into the bathroom in the middle of the night and I shut the door. I checked all the fucking corners along the floor. And then I put a towel like along the edge of the door, like, you know, where the crack is on the edge of the door. So nothing could get in. And then I slept in the bathroom on the floor in the secure room. Yeah. Cause I was like, I can secure this room. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like it was that bad that this movie fucking got me. And then I, I watch it nowadays and I'm like, it's just a funny horror movie. Really? It, it really is. Cause it's just like the whole it's so funny how this spider essentially like hitches a ride yeah. uh from venezuela to california um just <laughs> mates with mates with like a house spider just creates this fucking army of spiders it's like yeah. what yeah i would almost <laughs> put this now like in turn nowadays i would put this in the same category like do a double feature of arachnophobia and eight-legged freaks Boom. Okay. You know what I mean? Eight-legged freaks is definitely this, leans harder into some of the comedy for sure, but Oh, totally, cuz they're a little more I, that movie I mean, has some David Arquette's in it. <laughs> I I love uh David Arquette. Same. But yeah, I I think that uh, like Arachnophobia is one of those movies where uh as I mentioned in the case of my sister where if you're if that's one of your fears, I could see that movie really uh having an impact 
um, on someone. Uh, and, and then in a similar vein, and we'll get to this later when we talk about it, but like people that are afraid of clowns, like that's going to be a movie that traumatizes them. So, oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, I, I, and I feel just, like, yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, no, go for it. I just, I feel like I haven't seen arachnophobia in, in such a long time that it'd be a fun one to revisit. Cause it does have a lot of good elements where it has the comedic elements to outweigh, uh, you know, it's just one of those movies that takes such a small concept and creates something creepy out of it. And yeah. it's sometimes you don't need, you know, uh, like a, um, like a Michael Myers or, uh, you know, some wild concept to really nail home. Well, no. Um, and, and, you know, uh, we've seen with other things. And I think this was, you know, I think this was one of the movies that kind of, uh, had like a bit of a trip, like, you know, trace of, uh, influence from, you know, the birds where it's like, you okay. know, like you can take these, these things that we're around all the time, these, you know, animals that we are, we take for granted some that we're around sometimes and just like make a movie about what the fuck would happen if they turn on you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, that's the creature, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, apparently allegedly. So I was just reading that on the Wikipedia page for the, for arachnophobia. I was reading that there is, there was an announcement made on June 2nd, actually recently that um, they're going to be doing a remake of this movie, which seems unnecessary, but James Wan is co is co-producing it. So I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll watch anything with his name attached to it. So for sure. That's definitely what that's definitely, you know, it's like, well, right. I'm, I'm in for whatever they're throwing at us there. I'm going to give me one. I'm going to take my shirt off really quick. One second. Ooh, ooh, la la listeners. If only you could see the, the, that if only this wasn't just an audio format. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But interesting. Uh, I wonder, huh? It seems like like, a weird movie to make a remake out of. Well, cause it's like, if anytime they remake something, it's like, are they going to, hit a lot of the same uh, beats that the original made, or is there going to be something completely different where they didn't even need to attach the name to it and they could have made some, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. That, that, I agree. It's like, it's, it's like sometimes they do it and they're like, it's like, they're literally just trying to use, I don't know, like the, the, the popularity that the original name has with it, but they totally. completely make a different movie. Anyway, totally. Anyway, I do. I do case. recommend that people check it out if they just want to like a uh, good time. Though I think it's a fucking fun movie. And something you mentioned about uh, um, using a name, like an established name, for like that makes me want to segue into the first uh, shout out. Um, and the only reason I didn't pick this as a choice is because I know at some point um, we're going to eventually talk about this movie because it's literally one of the movies that uh instantly come to mind you know when we created this is troll 2 oh god um, yeah and it's such a ridiculous movie because the the directors of it uh called it troll 2 because there's a a, a late 80s horror movie directed by john Car- uh, carl buchler called troll and they uh rather than 
coming up with their own name. They wanted, they felt like it'd be more powerful if they had a previous name attached to it. But the most hilarious thing about it is that in, there's not a single troll in Troll 2. They're goblins. Yeah, there's all <laughs> fucking goblins, dude. <laughs> so, it's so wacky. I mean, it's such a, it's such a fucking, it, it's such a fun movie. That it's like oh, it's, 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 it's one of those movies that has like a huge cult following now where like you know like somebody will rent out a theater to screen it and like they'll make a big deal about it like it's amazing it's so it's i mean it involves going to a town called nilbog which is just like i mean it's all so fuck it's so ridiculous yeah. but you're right like that's so funny that they just <laughs> use the name like it it I it's don't know. so weird yeah it's so weird but it's one it is one of those like prime examples of that though like that's for sure but it's yeah. so, like oh my god it's such a fucking funny movie though yeah like, I, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it at some point because it's one of those movies oh, that yeah. like i would always suggest to people be like this is one of my favorites so bad it's good uh, yeah you know it's iconic yeah it's 100 um, percent so a couple quick shout outs before I jump into my first pick at 90, we have two, uh, Frank Hennen Lauder, uh, uh, we have basket case two and then Frankenhooker, which is just such an outrageous fucking movie. Oh my um, God. Sorry. There's a motorcycle driving by. <laughs> <laughs> what a motorcycle uh, are motorcycles. Like your, uh, like if a dog sees a, uh, a cat gets distracted by it. Is that your? Yeah. No. Uh, well, I just couldn't tell. Like it just like revved its engine really loud. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I don't know if it's bleeding through. In case you didn't know, listeners, I'm recording outside of the cafe I work at because we still don't have, you know, we still don't have internet at my house. Updates will come. Will will continue to come as uh, needed. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's outrageous. Uh, like I tagged my uh, coffee and contemplation video on Instagram, which uh, you can find at old heart radio, by the way, shameless plug, uh, you know, fuck century link. <laughs> so, <anyway, laughs> back, back, back to your original programming. Uh, yeah, they, don't, they don't have good customer service. It sounds like they don't anyway, they don't, they, they treat us like dogs. <laughs> anyway, what's so, that? What were you shouting out? Um, uh, so uh, I shouted out uh, two Frank Hennenwater movies, uh, Basket Case 2 and Frankenhooker. Hmm. Frankenhooker is just such a ridiculous, ridiculous movie. I have, I've never watched it. I've seen it on Shudder. You should watch it, dude. I might it's need just, to. It's just one of those like movies where um, it doesn't need to have this like crazy rich like in-depth plot it's just this it, you just gotta watch it it's wild it, yeah it's just it, 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 it is what it is there's there's this insane scene where a hotel room full of hookers take some bad uh they're smoking some bad uh um meth and this like oh wild <laughs> this wild scene happens where uh they start having this like adverse reaction to it and uh it's just wild you just have to see it 
Oh man. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I feel like it's been on, on shutter forever. So maybe I need to, yeah. um, there's also, you know, like we've covered a couple of movies from here, like death by 10 De- yes. temptation, which, yeah. which was a surprise in itself. Um, yes, it was. got a shout out, uh, Jacob's ladder, um, with Tim Robbins in it. Like that mm-hmm. movie, that movie's it's weird. A- so it's like, it, it's like if it like, follows Tim Robbins plays like a Vietnam vet who uh, who's like having like PTSD and like hallucinations that kind of spiral out of control and shit. But it's, it's, it's a really like interesting movie uh, overall. I, I, I feel like, it, but it, it's a, it's like, a, it's one of those mind fuck movies. Definitely. Definitely. Like, what's, like what's real, what's not. Um, a couple of months ago, uh, I was hanging out with a coworker and she was watching. It was like a, a remake of it. Um, and it was fucking awful. And I was just like, you should probably just go watch uh, oh, the original. Yeah. <laughs> no need to remake that movie at this right now. Yeah. Watch the original. Um, the, another, another that I had to shout out was uh, predator two. It's hmm. technically listed. It's like, I feel like, you know, the predator and the alien movies as they, uh, after they launched, they started becoming more sci-fi and almost sci-fi action. But yeah, it's, it's also got, it's got the horror addendum. You know, you still see some spine, some spine rippage, uh, but predator yeah. two is such a fucking ridiculous movie. Everybody hates on it, but I think it's a fucking it. great yeah. movie, dude. Like D- Danny Glover, top notch in it. Like, there's some Gary Busey. Like, there's yeah. some. Oh my god! Yeah, any yeah. Busey, the be- beautiful beautiful Buse. <laughs> and um, another. The last one I wanted to shout out was is just because I don't think we were, we weren't going to talk about it in too much in depth. Was uh, Tremors. Tremors. 1990 yeah. launched the trem the the still going if I'm correct Tremors movie line like uh, it, yeah. Which is insane if you to me if you think about that. It just has such like a cult following. It's um, wild. And yeah. the Kevin the Kevin Bacon original was such a cool, unique concept, and the the uh, the, the the grabbers are awesome. Oh so. god, yeah, dude. I mean, it, it really it really was. I remember the first time I watched it. It was it, it, like a fucking fun, like cool movie. And like, you know, you have these montages and almost all of them where at some point they kind of get the hang of like blowing up some tremors. And so they're like, you know, like it's, it's, Jesus. Like, it's fun. It's ridiculous. The monster work, the, the, the effects work on the tremors were really awesome on the grabbers, like you said, but yeah, yeah. some good, good practical effects. But what um, else we got from 1990? 90s up real quick before I jump into my first pick, I just wanted to shout out two. Uh, so we also covered uh, Shockma. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> Shockma, dude. If you just want to watch a, a baboon run around like a wild man, it's amazing. It's awesome. You want to watch a baboon maul somebody more? Like Chef's Kiss. You can't get better. Yeah, it's and then we also, um, you know, uh, we covered um, Maniac Cop recently, but Maniac Cop Two uh, came out in mm. 1990. How, but, how many, I can't remember how many Maniac Cop movies they ended up making, but there's there's three of them. There's just three of them. Okay. Yeah, but the first movie I want to talk about uh, at length um, is one of my favorite sequels. Uh, is Child's Play Two? Oh um, yes. Which uh, you know, um, it uh, just it's just one it. of the. What's that? 
I was just looking at I was looking at the cover. Sorry, Jack. Chucky's back. Chucky's back. It's an that's an iconic cover where it's the uh he's got like the fucking like uh like hedge trimmers and there's the jack in the box. It's such an iconic uh yeah, cover. Yeah, dude. But it's just it's just such a good movie because it, it it's uh you know, following up uh you know, it's two years after the events um of the first film and uh you know the good guys good guys uh feel, corporation feels like you know it's time to uh bring ch- you know you know it's this this the, whatever you know the thing with uh andy barkley blew over so they're gonna yeah. bring chucky back because <laughs> well, like because like well it's like chucky's like a wild was like a wildly popular thing and so they're like desperate to like you know get get the image back or whatever yeah they need that good guy's money. They need so that, they, good, that good guy money. <laughs> and the first like death scene in this movie is awesome where they're, they're, they're putting Chucky back together and it gets to the last part where they're going to put his eyeballs in and the machine, the, the machine, like a wild electricity bolt comes out of nowhere and sends this guy flying through a fucking plate glass <laughs> window. It's so amazing. Yeah. Zap. <laughs> oh and my at, God. And at this point it's, a, it's, uh, we learn that uh, Andy's mom, she's not in the picture. She's like in a psychiatric hospital um, because she, uh, you know, um, claims, you know, that the doll was real and that everything that her son said was real. So, you know, he, he goes into a foster home with, uh, with a couple called Phil and Joanne. And Joanne um, is played by uh, Jenny Aguder, who's an American werewolf in London. That's probably what she's most oh. known for. She's the she's the nurse. Uh, yeah, yeah. But Chucky Two, it, it just it just you know a good sequel. And I was going to mention this when it came time to talk about Gremlins Two is that a good sequel, you know, uh, takes everything that from the formula that that made the first movie good and just builds on it. And this movie has some uh, some great death scenes. Um, it has one of my, f- it has a great, great, uh, like catchphrases too. Like, uh, oh, dude. for instance, when he kills Phil and, uh, he's hanging upside down from the stairs in the basement, he's just like, how's it hanging, Phil? It's just like such a fucking good one. <laughs> dude, well, Ch- I mean, like, I feel like we've talked a bit about, about it before, but Chucky, like, Chucky's like a, like, like Freddy, like you know Michael, like all these others, he's a fucking like like horror icon. Oh yeah, and, and but like it's like it's almost like they took you know elements of like you know how Freddy Krueger was kind of crass is is crass and like you know how his humor is, and they just like ramped it the hell up with Chucky. Like, oh like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like Chucky's constantly just like mouthing off and just coming up with these awesome line like one-liners and and he has that really distinct voice like chucky voice you know that just, oh yeah i can't uh, replicate it but yeah I, I can't either but it's like it's as like as soon as you hear it you're just like you know the image is chucky you know in your mind but, but he, yeah he, he also has another one of my favorite anytime i used to watch this movie i would just be almost in tears laughing where um and th- and and now, you know, it's a very sexist line. But there's this scene near the end of the movie where him and him and Kyle are in route to. Uh, it, it happens like a right be- before the big climax, which I'll talk about in a second. But uh, Kyle's driving to 
um, the orphanage where Andy is back at and uh, Chucky's like on the hood of the car she's driving and he's like god damn women drivers (laughs) 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 that's what I mean though it's like it's like a combination of like whatever the line is the voice actor as well as like I don't know just like the timing was always just so perfect with his delivery you know and just the fact it's a goddamn doll. Yeah, know, and that's and know. that's it. Like it's yeah, at the end of all of it, it's still just a fucking doll. Like that's one of the one of the greatest things. Like cause because in these movies you keep thinking like, Well, okay, I could just kick him. Like I could just you know, I could yeah. just do whatever. But then, you know, like the fun is that it never seems to happen that way. And Chucky always just seems to come up with like the next outrageous way of fucking just, just killing somebody off, you know? And, and part of that has to do with, uh, so many characters in the child's play franchise, you know, um, it's a doll, you know, uh, it's not real, you know? And so it gets to the point where, um, he's been unassuming for so long that this, that these characters don't actually believe that he's real until it's too late. You know what I mean? Until he's walking and talking and stalking and then you're fucking <laughs> toast. But, um, you know, cause, cause child's play two came out in 90 and child's play three came out in 92. And, you know, child's play three doesn't get as much love as I think it deserves. Oh, I think it's I'll, a side. Yeah. But this one has probably the best, uh climax the best ending sequence at the at the fucking uh good guys factory it's just so menacing just uh, um you know not only is there the awesome scene where uh chucky's hand gets caught in the grate and he fucking rips it off and puts a blade oh, in it oh yeah that's right but, but just like how much he goes through before he finally dies because he has that gnarly part where he gets brought backwards into part of the um machinery and gets like all these different parts attached to him yeah Um, dude the molten and then just getting blown up at the end but there's be like before this whole sequence starts like one of the first things that happens at the toy factory is one of the coolest deaths of all time is when there's like the unassuming security guard and he uh gets put on to one of the manufacturing lines and gets like the doll eyes lowered into his eyes fucking it's so amazing. Oh, I yeah, it's Chucky Two's one I have. I I feel like I need to like rewatch again. I watched it like yeah. not that long ago, but like something. It's exactly that. Like some of those, there's just some creative <laughs> like cringy deaths. Because like, could you imagine that? Like, no. Oh, just like that, that would be oh, one of my fuck. worst. Like my worst way. Like personal worst ways to die is like somebody like you know like plunging something like in deep enough into my eyes to like squish them and like, you know, mangle my fucking face like that. Yeah. Cause it'd be, it would like be the last thing you would see. <laughs> exactly. Like literally the last thing you see is the thing that's going to fucking kill you. Like not yeah, cool. Pretty, not cool. Pretty, but yeah, child's child. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm just, I've always, I'm a huge advocate. Uh, it's one of my favorite franchises. Um, I love every single movie, even Seed of Chucky, which is my least favorite. There's still parts about it that I enjoy. Um, I'm just really looking forward to season two of Chucky and seeing where they continue to go with that. 
That's what I was going to, I was going to say was that like, you know, we've mentioned it before, but the Chucky show is actually really cool. And I definitely, yeah, I definitely am like excited to see that they're picking, you know, another season's on the way and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I just like, you know, I just want to take the opportunity to jump off of that sequel and let's go into this. Let's go into another sequel that I've set aside. Yeah. Um, we have to talk. We can't talk about 1990 horror movies without talking about Gremlins 2, the new batch. Mm-hmm. So I think in the last time we talked about Gremlins, just at like whatever random episode, um, you know, we kind of mentioned how like at times uh, it becomes really self-aware. Uh-huh. And and like that's like Gremlins Two is like it it took that note from the first one and it runs with it like it is such a self aware movie like one it, of my favorite one of my favorite things is just the fact that you know a lot of the times and when it comes to sequels it's like not the original director and just the fact that Joe Dante um, continued this and just made it even more bonkers is amazing yeah dude and that's why I mean like it it. Like Joe Dante is just a fucking gem. Like, yeah. And yeah, I, I think it, I think it really, that this sequel really benefited from not having that necessarily like that change in vision. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it, yeah, it gets ramped up to so, so hard. And uh, um, Correct me if I'm wrong listeners, but before you get into what you were going to say, I'm pretty sure there's like a story behind it where they wanted to make a Gremlins 2 and he, Joe Donna originally didn't want to do it. I think it had something to do with he was allowed like a certain level of creative control and that's why he agreed to come back and do it. I could be wrong, but I think that's I think um, that's part of it because it's so many. I think it's like six years after the first one. I think you're right. Like at least I'm looking on the Wikipedia page and it says it's talking about like in the production section, it mentions that like after the financial like success of the first movie, uh, Warner brothers wanted Dante to do a sequel like right away. And he declined. Mm-hmm. And it mentions like in this, in this piece, it just says like, you know, uh, the original film seemed to be like a really taxing experience on Dante. So oh. he didn't want to do it again. Um, and mm. then, you know, I guess maybe some things shifted around. Uh, it also mentions that apparently uh, storylines that were like maybe going to be included in this, like included either like Las Vegas or apparently somebody tried to pitch like gremlins on Mars. Oh, God. <laughs> so no. glad that didn't happen. But, no, because uh, this, this movie has the perfect setting. It's It's just, it's, manhattan manhattan where it's like you know like manhattan's like just like it's like we've talked about like jason in manhattan there was another one we talked about where somebody goes to manhattan but it's like this uh like mecca horror mecca it's like the avengers all like and spider-man and daredevil and luke cage and all those fuckers live in new york like all all the horror icons just end up in in manhattan at some point (laughs) yeah it's better than space it's better yeah fair enough enough. (laughs) but yeah so either way like like this movie just gets bigger and crazier and you know there's some great you know great you know like deaths like elect like elect electro electrocution deaths and you know there's like uh 
<laughs> just all the different types of gremlins. Yeah, that, that was really like one of the things that I really like. That was like the thing I probably loved the most about this movie was just the fact that like they just made each gremlin have a personality, man. Like each gremlin was a different gremlin. And, and I think that was one of the things I always, I kind of like always liked about both of these movies of the other movies, you know, is that like, they didn't take, they didn't just make everything so generic that it was like, Oh, it's just a monster. Now it's crawling on things. And then you kill it. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this one you got, you know, like, um, you know, gizmos back, which is like the world's cutest fucking, Oh yeah. You know, a uh, little like non Furby, I guess, but yeah, it, it all takes, it all takes place in like a television production student like building in Manhattan, I believe for the most part. It's just this yeah, yeah. giant building that has all kinds of different shit in it. It has labs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> places to eat, you know, for like, you like, and then like you mentioned all these different, there's like a cooking station and there's a horror uh, channel. There's like all these different, yeah. So it's a really great setting, but yeah, just there's like the spider gremlin, the uh, there's the winged gremlin, there's like the really smart gremlin, the brain, um, the, yeah, the female uh, gremlin. So it's just really, Ooh. like I mentioned, they, it's it's essential. It's just like gremlins on steroids, where yeah. they just had all these t- totally wild ideas, and I feel like it, it, all of it worked. Um, but yeah. I will say this. I'm, gl- I'm glad they stopped it here and didn't make another one because it's like I don't know really where you could go from there. Well, and that's it. I think like Dante, Joe Dante was was pretty smart. Like not only maybe was it like a you know hard like experience trying to corral all these special effects and all these puppets and everything, as well as the per- like the you know the, the getting everybody to act you know with them and interact with them on set. But I imagine he probably was just really self aware of the fact that like we don't want we don't need to keep dragging this out like mm-hmm. this is not i don't know because it, it's a fun fr- it's a fun couple of movies but like it would be really quickly like stale you know what i mean if, if you just kept doing like okay and now the gremlins are in this setting and now the gremlins totally. are in this setting totally. you know? <laughs> but yeah either way though like it you know 1990s staple like like you definitely want to watch both of them. I, I, you know, I wouldn't say if you, if you, you know, it's one of those, if you liked the grip, the first one, like you might as well follow up with the second one. Cause it's even more fun. So yeah, exactly. And, yeah. We also nineties also has a lot of, uh, 1990 also has a bunch of sequels. There's, we got exorcist three. Oh yeah. Um, Texas chainsaw massacre three, um, <laughs> puppet, puppet master two, um psycho four we also have silent night deadly night four which um as i mentioned before has uh bill mosley with a um or no that's the third one sorry uh initiation is wild though it's got it's another one of those movies that has um a lot of clint howard in it um and it's just a wild movie there's also slumber party massacre three and uh, Sorority House Massacre 2. So there's a shitload of sequels in 90. Um, and uh, I didn't realize until just now, like, how many, um, like, picks we made that were Stephen King related, whether they were uh, adaptations or something that he wrote. Yeah. Um, but a movie that came out in 90s that, were, that we didn't pick, but I wanted to shout out was Graveyard Shift, which is a really good 
adaptation of a short story about uh, a textile mill that gets overrun uh, by uh, giant rats and then uh, this giant bat creature, which looks really good on screen. There's some good oh, special shit. effects. And then 90s, we also have Ghost. Uh, Ghost. <laughs> like, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> oh, oh God. <laughs> no. Oh my God. That is listed in the horror section. <laughs> that is not by any means a horror movie. <laughs> no. Oh, but, but it is, but it is one of the most romantic movies of the decade. <laughs> oh my God. But, um, so, the next one I wanted to talk about that is actually a horror movie. Um, and I'm a really, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, if we have any long time viewers, they know that I'm a sucker for a good anthology movie. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, I had to pick uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, for many, many reasons. Um, you know, uh, it's got such a great cast you know it's got christian slater uh steve buscemi james remar julianne moore and then not only that but in the wraparound sections um you know it's got a, a really young matthew lawrence and then debbie harry who's playing this role of a witch you know and that's the, oh, yeah. that's the that's the plot device is that this witch has this uh and, she, and it's not like a witch in the sense for anyone that hasn't seen it it's not a witch in the sense where she's got a black hat on but no, she's just like a housewife that is has this kid kidnapped and is preparing to cook him. And he tries to stall her by getting her to tell stories. So it's a really good. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a clever. Segment. Yeah, it's a really clever idea. But um, really quick, though, you know, you mentioned Matt it, it, you know, features a young Matt Lawrence. Is that from the, the Lawrence brothers? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like Joey, Matt and whatever the other one was. They were so popular in the '90s, bro. They were everywhere. It it was insane. Like I I don't know I don't know like why they weren't really like anything special. It, you know what? It no. was it, it was like the fucking Hanson effect. Like all of a sudden, like okay. everybody was like everybody was like, oh my god, these brothers are in a band. That's so fucking cool. And everybody's like, oh my god, these fucking Lawrence boys. They all act. That's so fucking cool. Like, well, I th I think it's because they weren't good. Um, here, here's the thing, and, and and this might just be me throwing out a wild concept, but it might have like been one of those things, and uh, I could be getting this wrong. You know, they could have came before the popularity of the Olsen si sisters, but mm. I feel like that might have been a thing where you know the Olsen like sisters definitely took the whole sibling like thing, you know, like siblings doing the same thing into like a like a different stratosphere. Stratosphere, totally. Like, um, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I wonder when I wonder when the first like solo Olsen movie Olsen movie came out. You know what I mean? Some, sometime in the nineties, because well, because they were doing like they were on fucking Full House, like you know, as like right, right. the little the little baby forever, and that's how they got like popular. Really, it was which is so weird to think about. Like they Dude, got popular because they were really funny babies or or a small toddler or whatever the fuck age they were anyway we uh, whatever fuck it but, but anyway so tales from the dark side yeah so it's got three uh very different uh stories one of them is the first one is adapted from a arthur uh, conan doyle story um 
And this one has Steve Buscemi, uh, Christian Slater, and Julianne Moore, where, um, you know, it focuses on this graduate student who uh, is roommates with Christian Slater's character, and his character is is uh, related to Julianne Moore. And they, um, she steals this, like, artifact and plants it in uh, Steve Buscemi's character's uh, room. And so he gets blamed for it, and they're going to kick him out of school because they were both going for the same uh, scholarship. So um, Buscemi's character ends up resurrecting this fucking mummy, and it's such great practical effects, and just, like, sends this mummy to do his bidding to dispatch these two uh, that hatch this nefarious plan against them. Yeah, dude. Like, it... (sighs) it's pretty it's pretty cool like it it, just because like you said like the special effects on oh my god so like i mentioned earlier i'm sitting outside the cafe i work at right we close at four o'clock some assholes just walked in at 359 you gotta love it you gotta love it anyway back to normal (laughs) so you're right though like the special effects on that on that mummy are really cool and i was actually thinking about mummies earlier today which is super funny to me like that you that we're talking about this now because like mummies are really like i i always loved them as like uh you know horror characters as like creature characters you know like they're just they're, they're they're tattered they're dead like you know these reanimated corpses like i don't know it's just i i, I think yeah because do, do they have a mind of their own yeah like, like uh, what is the what is driving them mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know like anyway that's what are my favorite what are my favorite and this is it's not even a it's it's a kid tour movie but one of my favorite things that is mummy related is a, a, a early 90s um Di- an early 90s disney channel movie under wraps under wraps dude i knew exactly as soon as you said disney channel i was like under wraps yeah boy dude, there's, there's a whole like we i mean like not that they're really like great movies but there's like a whole string of like low-key like disney channel quote-unquote horror or like yeah. scary movies another one's like um Oh, it's about like what what's under your bed or whatever. Like, I can't remember what the fuck it's called. There's the but anyway, under wraps is legit. But yeah, there's yeah. another there's a there's another good one. Like, mom's got a date with a vampire. That was oh a good one. yeah, oh dude. Anyway, uh, you know, like you, but yeah, yeah. That I think that's a really solid segment. Um, I really like I really like the second one in there. The one centered around the cat, uh, the um, cat totally. from hell. Um, you know, it's just like that classic, well, not classic, but it's like, it's, it's really kind of like cool because it sets up as like, you know, I don't know. It's just like a mystery right away. Like this, this, this rich guy hires a fucking dude to kill a cat A cat. And you're just like, <laughs> okay. Like, mm-hmm. like there's get what's the ruse here. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but along the way, what you find out is that basically this cat like okay so this dude is like a piece of shit go figure Mm -hmm. uh he's killed like five thousand cats to like make to to while while uh you know testing out um uh this new drug pharmaceuticals pharmaceuticals yeah pharmaceuticals pharmaceuticals. uh and, and anyway so so basically like what you kind of find out is that this cat is is sort of like the the entity that is here to like ex- like 
get revenge on him for for yeah. all of that like senseless death you know and so it's really fucking cool if you ask me it's this gnarly little bit and um i you know like reading about it right here this this is the one that's like uh romero george romero adapted from a stephen king short story i guess like i right i, I kind of forgot about that but but that's, that, that's worked, super cool like, yeah and, and they had worked together you know they had worked together uh, on creep show so they have a very good uh and what's inter- another interesting thing about this is that this is supposed to be in creep show too but it was cut due to budget issues which is pretty interesting oh, whoa okay yeah yeah i mean that makes sense but like that's that like, i'm glad that i'm glad that they like found a home for it you know what i mean because oh, i think it's yeah. a really great segment so it's just 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 the way it et, like ends too with the cat jumping down the fucking hitman's throat it's Gnarly. so it's so wild like when you first watch that you're just like what the fuck what dude <laughs> like, yeah it's yeah because cool. it's yeah. like you said because you it's like who would need to hire a hitman for a cat you know yeah. what i mean yeah it just leaves you like immediately like you know scratching your head being like what's the deal here like what is this yeah. mystery i'm about to get into um yeah yeah they're yeah, all pretty st- they're all pretty strong segments um I, it's hard to pick a favorite but i think that the third one um probably ha- is probably uh my favorite idea where um it has to do with this struggling artist played by james uh, remar that uh one night um uh, happens to see this gargoyle creature uh, brutally kill someone. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. That's right. And, the, and this gargoyle creature basically signs a pact with him that he'll let him live if he doesn't, if he never speaks about what he saw. And pretty, pretty quick after that, he ends up meeting this, uh, this lady who, you know, they hit it off. Um, they get into a relationship and soon his, like all these things start going his way. His uh, his floundering art career picks up. He's really successful. They get married and have a couple of kids. And it jumps to like ten years later, um, and he makes the fatal error of telling his wife about this story. And just the twist fucking ending is so good, dude. And like that's man. Like what what gets me about this is that like it's one of those. You know, this happens, I feel like this happens in life sometimes where you're just sort of like, you do something and then, you know, enough time goes by that you've just fucking forgot. And yeah. like, and then like, you know, when you bring it up, you don't, or like you think about it again, you don't necessarily like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it comes out almost as like a slip or something. Like it's like, totally. weird, like, oh yeah. But like something like that, where it's like, you know, you got your, you got like your life at stake. Like having like this, like this, you know, like random, like, oh, you know, like this time, oh, I forgot about this time that like this happened. And then you're just like, fuck. Oh my God. What, uh, oh my God. Now I'm fucked. Uh, but like, but it's not just him that gets screwed over, if I'm correct, in the, in the ending. Uh, right. Cause, yeah, we, we you know, we, we learned that uh, his wife is actually this gargoyle. He has <laughs> this amazing scene where, not only her but the kids transform and he like literally everything that he loved he loses uh 
he ends up dying and then it just has this great shot at the end where they form gargoyle statues like on top of a church it's just a really strong yeah um segment for me um and then, the, and then, you know, it, it obviously goes back to, and, and just, as I mentioned, I love anthology movies, but I love an anthology movie that not only has strong segments, but has a strong wraparound segment because, uh, you know, the rap, the, the movie ends with the rap going back to the wraparound segment and, uh, the young Lawrence boy, um, you know, getting the final laugh and, uh, knocking, um, the witch into, uh, the oven that she was going to cook him in you know what i mean and just you know prevailing basically so it's just a strong strong movie and one that i it's one of those movies that i find myself um watching a lot anytime i see it on any streaming site i'm like oh yeah here we go you know my yeah it's always like it's always a i don't know it's like never it's never a bad thing to put on you know what i mean totally um yeah that's you know, I, I, it's like that, and you know, we've talked about Creep Show also. Like those are both just really, really solid, like pieces of stuff. Kind of like, like you said, it's like it's just you know, just pop it on. You can re-enjoy them over and over and over. Absolutely. Um, it's also uh, one of those where I feel like anytime I watch it, I come away like with a new favorite segment. I don't know. It's weird, but yeah, it's a cl- it's a classic. Well, um, you know, kind of furthering our drive into the 90s. This is what I mean, where it was like 1990 alone had just so much going on that, um, you know, we invoked we invoked the, his name during this, uh, la- the mention of the last movie. So we're going to dive into a Stephen King related piece of work. Misery. Yeah. Misery oh, is is a fucking wild movie man like like this isn't a movie you don't expect to come from somebody like rob reiner who's oh who, my god you know what i mean Dude, like his, his 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 filmography is so wild uh Dude. you know he, he, spinal tap yeah. um princess bride a few good men and then two of my favorite stephen king adaptations ever are stand by me in misery it's just it, yeah yeah that's what i mean dude it's like i don't know it's just it's just it, he the dude's all over the place but misery you know you oh my god like what a nightmare of a movie cat like when nothing can be like said you can't say enough about kathy bates's performance in this movie um dude. you know uh, she uh, like that she alone is more is just, she is more frightening than some monsters you see in a horror movie like dude her performance is bar like if you were to like let's say um if there was like a college course about uh about horror like she would be one of those examples that you would look at uh, as an iconic horror performance oh absolutely it's it's just it's just like her i don't know it's it's how she comes she can like come off as no matter what she does if she's trying to be pleasant or if she's trying or she's like being aggressive she comes off as Mm -hmm. calm and and like it's this weird vibe you know where it's like at any moment throughout the entire movie 
So you basically, you mm-hmm. follow, you follow James Conn's character. You're probably familiar with it listeners, but you know, he gets in a terrible car crash, ends up in the care of Annie played by Kathy Bates. <laughs> who somehow cannot risk get, you know, outside help. So he, you know, he's all she's got. Uh, and, and at any given time throughout this whole entire movie, you're just on the edge of your seat oh my thinking yeah. something bad is going to happen. When is it going to happen? I like, and then like, throughout you just the movie you just get more and more nervous you get more and more anxiety and then oh yeah like you know we can, we've got it we've got to talk about it <laughs> sorry like some you, dick, yeah some, so so I, I, I know what you're gonna i know what yeah. you're gonna talk about because but real quick you know you talk about where all the you all these things happen like and leading up to this scene that you're talking about is just one of the most like nerve inducing or uh, anxiety inducing scenes in the movie is where she goes, she leaves to get him the paper. Um, and he starts milling about her house, uh, you know, finds this, this sketchbook and learns that, you know, she may or may not have been responsible for all these child's deaths, but there was not enough evidence. And as he's going back to his room, he accidentally leaves this little statue in the wrong. But you do not expect, unless you read the book, because it's one of the most faithful adaptations, but dude, this this next scene. Well, it's just like, Mm. you know, it's like, it's like that alone, like the, the idea that like, you know, the one small missing piece, like, or one small piece was out of place. And that's what fucking screws you. Um, because yeah, it follows directly into this scene that is one of the most like gnarly scenes still to watch. Like, um, absolutely. Where, you know, Annie again, very calmly, like sets up, well, it's actually really fucked up. So like James Conn's character, Paul wakes up, and is like strapped to the bed basically and annie very calmly puts a fucking plank of wood in between his leg in between his ankles and takes a sledgehammer and just smashes his ankles and you know like like the first one's bad the first one's terrible and and it's like you know you see you hear the sound and 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 she's calmly explaining how people how they would do this to you know uh chinese men who worked on the railroad and and you know tried to run away and shit like that and you're just like this is fucked up and then and then you see i think it's the second one maybe you see both of them i can't remember exactly but but the visual of of the sledgehammer just destroying that ankle it just turns it to fucking jelly and and it's one of the best pieces of like you know special effects like practical effects in in any horror movie because of how effective it is if you ask me i was literally just gonna say that having watched horror my whole entire life it is still one of those scenes that has stuck to me for how fucking gnarly and how uh and how effective and how just how realistic and how brutal it is yeah it's 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 intense and just just i could not imagine i could not imagine that fucking pain dude it's gnarly yeah. Cause yeah, cause her whole her whole like motivation um 
is that she's upset that uh, she's like super obsessed with his the series of his with about the character named Misery and how you know because it establishes early in the movie that he wants to move on from the Misery series and become a more serious author. So he kills off Misery in his book and she is so set off by it that she burns his manuscript and while he's there and while she's taking care of him and she makes him remember that no one knows he's here, but she forces him to write Misery's Return. It's yeah. it, it's amazing. It's yeah. And then like, you know, this like slow power struggle between them, the entire movie is just, like I said, it's just nerve wracking. It leaves you on an edge. Oh, I, I love it. And, just the, cli- it. Just, <laughs> just, and the climactic fight too is just so, it's just so great. You know, he, and then he not, and to further that, cause you know, he, they get in this battle, um, you know, he ends up smashing her face in, but uh, it ends on this really good note where it's established that it's like sometime later he's walking with the cane and it uh, goes to show just the psychological effects that have happened to him since this because he's at, at like a uh, like a business uh, luncheon and and thinks that he sees her. It's just it's great. Yeah, exactly. It it's, just has this lingering lasting effect, you know, it's 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 one of the most faithful adaptations and it's one it's a it's a like and you know king has such a diverse uh um you know range of work from uh fantastical elements to turning everyday items into something sinister to shape-shifting killers to just 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 to have one where it's just a normal human being as one of his most evil creations is amazing that's what i mean like it it's again one of those like I don't know. It's just like one of those things where you just don't, you don't assume how fucking evil and intentional this person is. And it just reminds you that people are like that. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. People can be like yeah. that. Excuse me. Not everybody's like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. 100% great movie. You know, and so the performances ju- hold up. So. Yeah. Oh, Oh yeah, that, that's another one of those movies that if they ever remade it, I would just be fucking pissed because it's a perfect movie in my in my opinion. Yeah. But uh, jumping to another King movie because I'd be remiss um, if we didn't talk about this because nineteen um, nineties it is one of those movies that uh, for so many people, uh, for basically a generation, created this massive fear of clowns, um, and for me. Uh, so not only so shortly around uh, the time my mom passed away, um, it, it was the first Stephen King novel I read. So I I have like a personal uh, connection with it. However, it was one of those movies where, um, and I've told the story about my like traumatic experience with uh, the Toxic Avenger. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, my parents were pretty cool with letting me watch like pretty much whatever, but for some reason they would never let me watch or never let me rent it. My mom, they were just always like, dude, this movie's going to fucking terrorize you. Yeah. I mean, same with my folks. Like I remember because of the cover was always like, it was, you know, like the cover was Tim Curry, you know, Pennywise. Mm -hmm. And it was always so like tantalizing. You were just like, what, what is this? Like, you know, I want to watch this and, and, but yeah, you're just like, your parents just knew something you didn't about this movie. <laughs> you know I mean? And t- dude, and Tim, Cur- 
that Tim Curry performance is still one of the all time horror performances. Oh and my it's, God, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's wild to me because, you know, this wasn't a theatrical movie. It was a T it was a two part for TV, TV mini. Yeah. yeah. And it, he is so menacing and just, I think he perfectly encapsulates what, uh, when King created the character Pennywise and put him to paper, like what he encapsulated with who this person was. Yeah. Uh, and one of my favorite things about it, and it's a huge fucking book, but one of my favorite things is just the concept of this, uh, this, you know, uh, this creature that's been around for ages and ages that c can take the, whatever form is your, your like wildest fear. It's just so yeah. good. Yeah, it, it, that that's one of the like the fun things about uh, Pennywise, really. Like, is that it can at any time this entity can change to like be specific to you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like the like the, the sort of idea that that this entity has has been resurfacing for. I don't know, hundreds, thousands of years, however fucking long, you know, I think it's like hundred, I think they like, there's like a recorded time, like line, totally. I think in the, in the story, like when they first, you know, it was first experienced to, you know, but like, who knows how long it'd been there, but it's like, it's supposedly, isn't it? It's like, it's like this entity that's like crashed onto earth or something like that. Yeah. It came from, a, it came. Yeah. Yeah. And, and anyway, so like this, but yeah, this, 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 like, you like you said earlier it it inspired like a whole like pretty much a whole generation of people like that are that are now like trepidatious and almost and you know like fearful of clowns no matter what yeah, you know totally um i think people i think people fear tim curry's pennywise the clown more than they like remember and fear john wayne gacy like yeah. you know in a possibly you, you know in a way where it's like you know in the psyche you think about killer clowns people probably think about tim curry's pennywise first when there were real fucking killer clowns out there yeah <laughs> you know yeah. like uh, <laughs> but yeah you know like no joke like like absolutely like, like we just talked about the kathy bates you know the, like tim curry like was given this this opportunity and then gave us all this iconic undying performance bill skarsgård totally. did a great job as pennywise in the I, new movie i was actually just gonna ask like what your opinion was on the new the newer I, adaptation and, I, and I liked him just i liked him just fine like i i think that like you know i think that at times he tried to emulate tim curry a little too much um which ended up i mean there's a lot of original content that came out of it totally but, but the problem with redoing a character in a story like that is when you have a performance that's so heavily related to that actor to like you know somebody like tim curry um it's hard to like take the mannerisms that he brought to it and yeah you know true bring them to something else because because it's not necessarily part of the character that was written but it's something that that, that actor brought to the performance and i think so because because curry curry's was a little more uh comedic at times where mm -hmm. scars guards was definitely super menacing so it's like hard to pick which one i, you, I obviously i'm more of a curry fan but it's kind of close because i loved uh it, chapter two it, i 
not so much, but I absolutely love chapter one. Um, I think it's a really faithful adaptation. I think what they did with Pennywise is going to like for this generation was what it was for ours. Cause there's just that scene where he pops out of the fridge and he's all contorted. Oh yeah. Like there's some, there's some gnarly imagery in that movie. Um, it's just, a, it's an iconic, like Stephen King, uh, it, you know, he's rightfully in the place that he is because he's created so many unsettling iconic characters and probably none more popular than Pennywise. Even yeah. so much as they're they're coming up with like a prequel uh, series right now um, for HBO Max, which sounds pretty interesting. I'd be intrigued by that because, like we were just talking about, like it's, the, it's kind of one of the things that I think I think that, that you know could be flushed out is the idea that this creature has had a history on Earth. You know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. I'm into that. So, so before we, uh, yeah, I, I feel like you know we don't need to talk about you know it for that long because most people are very familiar, familiar with it but yeah. uh so we, we mentioned you know that we were kind of more heavily a lot of our picks were in the the 90s and you have one pick in 91 and you know but before we i want to just do a couple quick more two more shout outs for 1990 uh you know we obviously are going to miss some but 1990 gave us um tom savini's remake of night of the living dead which i feel yeah. like doesn't get the love it deserves um i know it's one of the you know the original is such an iconic movie that i feel like no matter how it was remade that there would have been a certain amount of like uh disdain towards it but i think that savini um you know did it justice and i don't think it gets the hate that it deserves um one of my another 1990 movie that I actually just recently saw within the last year is uh, Two Evil Eyes. It's um, uh, Romero directs one segment and Dario Argento directs another, and they're both based off of uh, Edgar Allan Poe stories. Um, oh. And it's you know Harvey Keitel. It's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic, uh, especially the segment uh, with Harvey Keitel. So I would if you've never if. Listeners yeah, I've never seen it. Never, yeah, I would go watch it. Oh yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. I mean, like that's got to be that's that's a good lineup, you know. Anything. Um, yeah, there's. I mean, it's it's just. Uh, I pick. I only picked the one movie from '91, mainly because it's like one of those you have to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, either way, it's, it's, it, you know, I, we keep like talking about these iconic performances, but mm. one of, one of the, one of the, like, you know, most iconic, I think, right up there is Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. Totally. And oh, that all starts with 1991's <laughs> Silence of the Lambs, dude. Uh, this, this movie is, it, it's another movie where it, you know, it, it preys on the idea that like this shit happens in real life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like this, like there are people out there kidnapping other people, fucking, you know, torturing them, doing whatever, killing them, whatever. And, you know, what's interesting is that you're diving into not only like what's like, are there the characters that are interesting, but you're diving into like, like, you know, the, the, the process of finding one of these, these bad guys, right. Mm. Where it's, you know, you're it's, following it's fascinating. 
Exactly. And, um, you know, like you have, you know, Jodie Foster, obviously also kind of gives, gives a really iconic performance as Clarice. Oh yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, you know, commentary in this movie about, uh, you know, what probably like at the time, probably what it was like, uh, and probably still what it can be like for people, like for fem- for female officers, you know, trying to navigate, um, promotion in, mm-hmm. in, you know, what's mostly looked at it, like what's in law enforcement really, I guess. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then very sexist know. way of thinking, but yeah. And so that's, that's kind of an interesting, like kind of commentary early on in the movie. But then, you know, as soon as you get introduced to Hannibal Lecter, like seen, like, he's seen stealing the moment. Yeah. The movie is going in a different direction for you as a viewer after that, like you, you know, Buffalo bill, the killer that Joe, that's Clarice is really trying to find becomes almost of like less interest, be, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Because you're just like, you're told this dude's like a fucking can't Hannibal, the cannibal, you know, like he's, he's kept in this cage at the back end of like, you know, all the worst fucking people. And he's mm-hmm. just so damn smart. And until mm-hmm. like that, that mm-hmm. you just have to like, and he knows it. That's the thing. He knows he's well, a fucked up individual and he knows that you have to come to him for help and like all this well, shit, you know, that's why, that's why it's such a fascinating concept. And it's something I had ne- until I'd seen this movie, I'd never really seen before, but it, 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 it uh, I think part of this might've taken, um, some inspiration from, uh, you know, recently there was a series that came out called mine hunter based on the book, oh, yeah. which is bit, which is based off of how profiling came about and how they started profiling serial killers and how these back in the day they would work with serial killers, but to see it ad- adapted like this. Uh, and like you mentioned, cause a lot of serial killers are fucking geniuses and that's how they get away with it for so long until they make a fatal error. But yeah. dude, the character of, of Hannibal Lecter. Oh my God. And the, you know, what's, what's interesting about, about it is that, in terms of like how he becomes like a horror, like how he achieves that like kind of like horror movie status is so wild because like it's, it's almost, especially for silence of the lambs, it's almost like all reputation, mm-hmm. right? It's almost all, you get nothing but dialogue from, from, from Anthony Hopkins. You don't, the only action you, you see from him because he's in a fucking cage. He's, you know, he's in a cell. He's, he's tied up. The majority of the movie um, is that like one scene, you know, oh. where, where they just let him they, like, and this is the, this is the danger of him, right? You just let him loose. For, he's alone for just long enough that, or he has that, he has that moment where you've forgotten to lock him up just enough. Mm-hmm. that he just slips through and there's that shot of him when he just starts fucking biting that dude's face, that guard's face. And then like, he's covered in blood from his like it's a, nose oh. down. And you're just like, this is and then just, di- he just disembowels the one. Oh my God, dude. It's, it's fucking like, nutty, fucked up now. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I mean. Where it's just like that, that, like that moment where he's like, dang dude, bet you wish you didn't fuck that up. <laughs> this is like, this movie too it's like you know you like it was another one of those movies that has been parodied over and over and over oh, yeah. different scenes of it have been parodied parodied and that's when you know you have something successful yeah uh yeah you know, it's not, it's a great not only it, that but yeah. it, it obviously 
you know, it's based off a book, but it but it also spawned, you know, a movie franchise with Red Dragon and Hannibal and Hannibal Rising to their and you know to very different success. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first horror movie that won uh, an Academy Award, right? It did. Yeah, it was the first one that ever won an Academy Award, which is huge. That's crazy. Man. Yeah. Um, because it's like, what is it? I'm reading it was. Yeah, it, it it is the only horror film to win Best Picture. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, um, well just, deserved. But, some, but just, I really hope that like eventually somebody else will come along. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, yeah. I, but this movie does too. It just have some uh, gnarly like imagery too. Like mm-hmm. obviously, we talk about how it being parodied, but just those scenes of you know the kidnap the U.S. senator's daughter that's kidnapped and she's in the well and just like how how like uh um disconnected from reality uh buffalo bill is um my favorite parody the, uh, of of that well of the well scene is in joe, joe dirt yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely it puts the lotion on his skin and it was he's like trying to do if he does it for an auto trader oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man send me down that auto trader dude joe dirt is such a fucking, that's like that's one of those movies yeah. where if i'm like having like a bad day or something like i could just pop on joe dirt and it just has so many good one-liners and, oh it just God. that movie cheers you the fuck up dude it's such a fucking good movie anyway so that was a complete side note sorry about that but, but. yeah it, it's it, it's still wild to think that it's the first and only movie um yeah i, I hope yeah. that changes someday because lately i feel like if if there ever was a time it would be now with like uh how there's been so many like revered horror movies that have come out lately, like, you know, from Ari Aster and then obviously from Jordan Peele. Um, so I feel like if there was ever a time for that to happen, it would be, you know, uh, in this era that we're in right now. I don't I know. Agree. Well, so, uh, what is, you, you, what you, you have, what's up? Oh, what were you going to say? Well, because, you know, you have the only pick for 91. Do you have any shout outs from 91 that you wanted to? Uh... Um, just a couple like really random ones. We have we have to shout out Cape Fear uh, with Robert mm. De Niro. Um, just Great remake. It, <laughs> it like is it, it? it's a, you know, it's a Scorsese movie and it just it does a really good job of uh, kind of playing into that, like, you know, like psycho dude that you just fucking crossed one to once and now he's like latched onto you you know um yeah it's it's effective um we you know you mentioned child's play three uh that came out this year uh 90 91 there was um we did we we you know we did popcorn that that's worth that's worth mentioning again and um i just wanted to shout out one the other uh what was it what was it it was um a silent night deadly night mm. movie came out this year silent oh it was number five it was the toy yeah. movie yeah, yeah, yeah. oh my so, god you know oh chef's, my chef's god. kiss chef's kiss that, to that movie that, <laughs> that movie is is a chef's kiss dude that movie is amazing yeah um, but, but this, yeah. this 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 is another year where we got like uh, a fair amount of um sequels so you know uh i've gone on record 
where Omen is one of my favorite horror movies. It's, it's one of those movies that has stuck with me for so long, but I'm not really a fan of its sequels. Uh, so Omen 4 came out in 91. Um, Puppet Master 3. Ghoulies 3, which is the weakest one. Uh, <laughs> in, in the, uh, also, we have uh, Freddy's Dead 6, The Final Nightmare. Um, Alligator 2, which uh, the first first alligator is a really solid solid horror movie the second one is kind of like a campier uh more ridiculous uh sequel so there's an interesting movie that came out in 91 um later in the 90s there's a movie that came out called campfire tales which has james marsden in it and uh it's about a group of kids that um their car breaks down and they tell stories around the campfire but there was also a movie that came out in 91 called campfire tales which is super low budget but it has gunner hansen uh, that played leatherface uh, yeah. in it so it's it's interesting okay. the segments the segments really aren't that strong there's just one really weird segment about these two kids these two stoners that stumble across this weed that they smoke that that uh they start deteriorating when they smoke it's it's kind of a weak anthology movie um people uh one of like uh um probably one of my lesser favorite but still a solid Wes craven movie came out this year people under the stairs oh yeah that's um, right i think it's an interesting concept um and then the last one i wanted to shout out for 91 was dolly dearest which uh i feel like at some point we're gonna have to do an episode on that movie because it's just ridiculous so yeah i just you know obviously wes craven um you know is a horror icon rightfully so and i think people under the stairs was an interesting idea um it's just not my favorite so yeah, like I, I think like yeah, like, like it's just always like what it's a, any like Wes Craven movies usually got some merit to what you know to it. But yeah, what about uh? So what what about nineteen ninety two? I know we have a few movies set aside for that year. Yeah, and so uh, uh, nineteen ninety two, you know, um, um, has some had some. You know, there's a couple of shout outs I want to do that I'll. I just want to do one real quick, you know, that's uh, a sequel that um, gets a lot of hate and it's Aliens, Alien 3. Um, and I feel like uh, it's one of those movies that had so many things like uh, it had different uh, uh, directors attached to it. It had different stories attached to it before um, uh, David Fincher came along and directed it. And it gets a lot of hate. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that in Aliens, you know, there's a shitload of aliens and then Alien 3 goes back to it with only one alien in it. So I think that, I don't know. And just yeah. the setting. Well, like like the, the franchise takes its like wild turns, right? So like the first one is like a horror movie. The second one's like a like an action movie, like yeah. a sci-fi action movie. And the third one, they try, like you said, they try to recapture that like, kind of claustrophobic horror feel mm -hmm. um but it just it doesn't have the same effect probably because you, you know in aliens you know they went so big so mm. big you saw a fucking alien queen at the end of that goddamn movie you know yeah what I mean? um and and it also takes place you know in in 
like on like a prison planet in Alien yeah. Three, and, and and so it doesn't really necessarily have that same claustrophobic feel. I think that uh, the ship environment, of course, did, you know. But but there are some cool elements to this movie. I do think that it like I think it, there's like you know. Yeah, you said it best. There's there's some unnecessary hate on this movie. I, it's the it's the weakest out of the original three, if you ask me. Well, yeah. Um, it's definitely not any worse though than Alien Resurrection. So I completely agree. That, that's kind <laughs> of the thing, right? So it's like, but um, but in this movie, in the, in Aliens three, you know, just, uh, I don't want we don't have to dwell on it too long, but it's like the. The face hugger, the xenomorph that like uh, that it gets like, well like the face hugger like impregnates or whatever uh, like a dog or something like that in this one, and so it has all these like canine features where you know it's cool running around on all fours more and and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it really is kind of cool. I think it's just like they went really hard with the CGI for that that alien and i think that's also one of the things that worked against okay. it you know yeah. you should have stuck with like more practical i think but oh, you know okay. whatever um, so anyway what else we got but the next movie that i wanted to talk about in some depth and it's uh for me it's another uh nostalgia movie and it's another movie that uh i used to always watch it was like a, a comfort movie um and i know and uh you know I'm not the only one. I mean, sorry. And I know that most people uh, prefer the Joss Whedon uh, television show um, more so than the movie. Uh, you know, if you ask more, if you ask most people, they're more so a fan of the television adaptation. But I love uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, which which was written by Joss Whedon. Uh, but didn't really take uh, the tone that he had wanted. Like he's, you know, very vocal about not being happy with how the movie, uh, the end product. But I think it's a fantastic movie because, you know, um, it's got this wild, you know, like Valley girl uh, setting, you know what I mean? But there's some great horror elements in it. And it actually has, uh, it's one of my favorite vampire movies, but it has one of my favorite shots of any vampire movie where uh, uh, Lothos, Rutger Howard's character, the main vampire, there's this scene where he's floating high up in the air and descending, and it's just, it's an amazing shot. Hell and yeah. it's stuck with me to this day. But there's just so many aspects of this movie that I love because um, just the cast, too, you know, Christy Swanson, Donald Sutherland. Paul Rubens, Rutger Hauer, Hilary Swank, Luke Perry, David Arquette, and even Seth Green and Thomas Jane have small like that's a that's so hell that's a pretty impressive cast list honestly yeah 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 no it's it's a, it's solid like I I you know I like both I like both the series and and the movie but the movie does hit differently like totally you know what I mean. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know, man. I feel like that. Uh, that was, you know, it's one. It, when was the last time I fucking watched it? It was like I think I watched it like a year ago, maybe. But like, okay. But yeah, it's. I don't know. It's it, been it, far. It, it's been far too long since I've seen it. Unfortunately. 
I mean, it's, it's still just as fun though. Like that's the thing about it. It like, I wouldn't say I get too spooked by it, but, but it has, but like you said, it has all those elements of like, you know, it has like a creature element and it has like the suspense element, you know, but you have it all wrapped in this. And this is kind of the fun thing about it. This like really disarming setting where it's like, you know, sunny california everything's fucking great here like you know the uh, you know exactly how could like it's you know buffy's a fucking cheerleader on the squad and yet you know and that's the brilliant turn is that like yeah but she'll fucking put a stake through your goddamn vampire heart mm-hmm. if she needs to. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's super yeah, cool man super cool she also has and this is something that um <coughs> i feel like um I noticed more as I got older, but she has just this such great character arc too, where she starts out, as I mentioned, as this like really shallow, um, frankly annoying Valley girl where all she cares about is shopping and her boyfriend and hanging out with her friends. And she's, you know, uh, thrust, uh, into this role where, you know, Merrick, um, Donald Sutherland's character comes along and basically explains that she's to be the next slayer. You know, and it's one of those th- situations where this person didn't choose for this to happen, but they just got all this responsibility, kind of like a Spider-Man type of deal, but mm-hmm. they got all this responsibility thrust on them. And uh, due to that, you know what I mean? She changes and it helps her grow up and become a better person to where there's even that part later in the movie where she realizes sort of like how shallow uh and annoying and immature her friends and like everything that she thought about life was uh that's a really cool cool aspect of it too and there's just some great visuals i really love uh you know uh uh it's kind of hard sometimes to um like disconnect uh uh art from you know a person like you know paul rubens he obviously has you know the uh it's very aware that you know at one point he got caught masturbating in public oh, or whatever. talking about him jerking off in the porn theater or whatever yeah oh, but yeah, whatever yeah. but still though role, you can't take away what the how fucking awesome paul some of paul rubin's characters have been especially this one especially after he gets his arm ripped off uh you know uh there's just some great um scenes that happened in this movie you know it's a lot of it is more played for comedy which is what i'm talking about where joss whedon kind of wanted it uh, a little darker uh to where if you know uh, and that's mm. how the show was you know what i mean it still had those elements of you know this is a high school setting and these are the hijinks that happen in high school but it was definitely a lot darker but yeah uh i never really got into the show um so i associate more with the movie and i've always been a big uh fan of the movie adaptation mm-hmm. and not only that too because it was just it was it was something um it was a creative new uh thing that was um a new you know it wasn't like based on a previous uh god damn it what's the word i'm looking for um, it was an original know, piece of work really thank yeah. you thank yeah. you yes uh and it was very unique and original um and it, and it was also one of those movies that is a pro- obviously it's very much a product of its time. The characters are hanging out in malls, you know. They're it's a very '90s movie. Uh, yeah, that's what yeah. I like about it. It, it. it reminds me of a simpler time, you know. Uh, you know, I was born in '87, so it reminds me the '90s were a simpler time. You know, I just 
I was ki- I was a kid. I didn't have any cares in the world. And so anytime I watch this movie, I think part of it uh, it transports me back to that time. And that's another big reason why I like it so much is it transports me to that time where you know things were simpler and I didn't have all these you know traumatic things hap- that happened. Uh, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's part of another big reason why I'm such an advocate for it. Hell yeah! Because it is. It's one of my uh, absolute favorite vampire movies, and I know. You know, when you ask people their favorite vampire movies, they're probably more prone to say, you know, The Lost Boys, uh, which is one of mine too, or Interview the Vampire. So I just, it, it, yeah, Fair purely, no, probably purely nostalgia. Hey, it counts though, man. Yeah. Um, what are like? Do you have any shout-outs? I have a couple of shout-outs for 1992. Go for it. Um. You know, one of them obviously has to be uh, Army of Darkness, Sam Raimi's uh, third movie in the line. The but Army of Darkness is just like it's it's in a way it's like it's like a Alien to Aliens where it just becomes like this bigger movie. There's more action that happens. There's more funny things that kind of. I mean, it's just a fucking great movie. It's a great ride. That you know, uh, Ash is obviously back and. And, you know, so you got you to gotta love it. Um, you also have, uh, oh, fuck, where was it? Where was it? Where was it? There was a Hellraiser 3 came out that this, oh, uh, man. this, this in 1992, Hell on Earth. There's some uh, great, there, I, the thing I like about, because obviously Hellraiser is a classic and Hellraiser 2 is really good too. And, and Hellraiser 3 is kind of where it started to go off the rails. But there's some awesome Cenobites in this movie, especially the one where it like emits the CDs. Oh like, yeah, that is, one of, dude, that is one of the coolest fucking visuals. Is that, that club scene where it's just like whew, spitting out all these CDs and they're just like flying into people. Oh my god, it's a, it's beautiful. So redong. Um, and then uh, oh the well, I just had it. There's one more that I wanted to mention. Um. Or was it? It was another fucking sequel. Uh, oh, Pet Cemetery yes. Two. Yeah. yeah, with uh, with Eddie Furlong, man. Like that, I, that movie. I think it's another one of those movies that, like, and again, it's directed by Mary Lambert, who directed the first. Mm-hmm. And so I could kind of understand why this movie gets some of the hate it does because it was kind of like, uh, obviously. There wasn't uh Stephen King didn't write a pet cemetery too. So people kind of felt like it was kind of just random that there's a sequel. Uh and it obviously isn't as strong as the first one, but I I it's another guilty pleasure. Like I enjoy so many parts of this movie. Um Hell yeah. Well, it it's it is it is it's just a it's just a really random follow-up, but but it does make sense that you could, you know, follow it up with like kind of more stories set in that setting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. following those characters from the first one or anything like that, but yeah. 90, uh, 92 also gave us, uh, uh, Peter Jackson's, um, brain dead or dead alive, depending oh, on yeah. what region uh, you're living in. Uh, you know, it's, it's still wild to me. I know we've mentioned this a couple of times, but how, when most people think of Peter Jackson, they just think about Lord of the Rings. Like they have no idea like where he came from and how he started just in making these wild ass movies in New Zealand. You know what I mean? mean, man. (laughs) Like dude's got a bloody history. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, and then um, before we get into the, the last two movies uh, that I know we have set aside, I also want to shout out, you know, we talked about vampire movies, uh, you know, the 1992 Bram Stoker's Dracula starring Gary Oldman came out. Oh, man. Um, and that that is one of those movies that, you know, you mentioned uh, people you know, kind of like have a handful of vampire movies off the top of their head that they would pick as their favorite. This is one of those movies also. Yes. I think this is like right up there with those where it's Absolutely. like, you know, the, the performances that you get from everybody involved are so in- interesting and, and yeah, that, it, that it works, you know, really well, but especially yeah. Gary Oldman. Oh, oh yeah. My God. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Just yeah. The, the setting, the imagery, it's such a it's just such a like a a a, a, a beautifully dark movie definitely um, yeah yeah so what 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 is your uh what is your um well my, i mean i know i know what your last pick is but what is your last yeah. pick my final my final pick for this set is uh is 1992's Candyman. you know oh, it's a man it's, it's a movie we've talked about it's a it's a it's, uh, we've talked about one of the sequels in a regular episode <laughs> but but Candyman is 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 another it's it's a staple horror series like absolutely you know what i mean it 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 takes and it takes you know things that you haven't necessarily addressed in horror and address it starts to address them you know talks about um you know like the 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 the, the vengeful spirit is vengeful for a reason and it's because mm-hmm. you know it, he was he had his hand he was he was accused of infidelity uh you know basically sleeping as a slave sleeping with the master's fucking wife or whatever totally and you know is tortured is killed all this shit brutally tortured and, and yeah killed. and 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 so it's really it's really great that it doesn't ju- like this movie uh you know, plays on this, on this idea of like the spirit, not having rest, not, and, and, you know, not being able to, and and just being vengeful really. And, you know, kind of coming back to, uh, yeah, let's just say, you know, deal with, uh, not, you know, people, I mean, like the, 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 the character of Candyman is, though scary and supernatural in itself is also sympathetic, which is hundred percent, which is what's crazy about it. I don't agree with his methods about like, you know, finding new love necessarily, but, <laughs> but, but, but it's a sympathetic character because his life was taken away from him in such a absolutely. fucking brutal way. So absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 uh, one of my favorite aspects of this movie too, is I'm a sucker for, uh, um, urban legends oh, and, God, yeah, and, and, and myths and stuff like that. Uh, and you know, it's kind of, it's obviously, um, loosely, you know, uh, associated with the, the bloody Mary, uh, myth, you know, stand in the mirror and say bloody Mary yeah. three times, you know, obviously with this, it's TV stand in the mirror and say candy man five times, you know, you're going to summon them, but that's just like, just a basic concept like that. Like, uh, um, it has these urban legendy, you know, links to it, and then it evolves into this full-blown, uh, amazing story. Yeah. Um, and another thing about this movie too that I know gets talked about is how it's one of the first really great uh, black um, characters in horror. Yeah, that, uh, and that, yeah, exactly. Tony Todd is is 
like just as much as much of a of a staple as uh you know as and, and you know J, like as uh kane hotter playing jason as uh um oh my god why am i blanking on his fucking name we just talked about him uh gunner okay. hansen playing t- playing mm-hmm. you know uh leatherface like except that except that like, like in, in some of these ca- in like in tony todd's case they build more on the character rather than just the killer, yes. which is what's yes. really cool um, and, and really intriguing and different about the, the Candyman character. So Yeah, and, and just the setting of, you know, the difference between um, social classes and, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is happening at the Cabrini Green, which is obviously this lower class, you know, uh, predominantly black, um, uh, you know, project, apartment. Right? Co- yeah. pro- thank you. That's exactly what it is of this project. And that, you know, part of the movie that, that they talk about in the movie is that no one really cares about uh, these characters because of, because of that, because yeah. they're black, because they're lower class. So it, and just, it's, it's in inter- it's a lot of good social commentary that's in the movie. Yeah. I agree. It's a fucking great movie. I mean, I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast about horror movies, you probably watched it. But if not, you should for sure make sure you digest the original Candyman. Just some um, of the, just some of those visuals, like obviously that scene near the end where uh, he opens up his his, his chest and oh, his dude. Rib, rib cage opens up, and the fucking and all those. Bees. It still gets to me, like yeah. And this, just the fact, this is another amazing thing about it too, is that it was the uh, practical effects uh, age still. So mm-hmm. those are real fucking bees that he had in his body and in his mouth, and he went through that to film this piece of art. And yeah. oh, goddamn! Yeah. And uh, wasn't there I feel a rumor like, or a story that didn't he get paid like per bee sting? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would have done the same thing. That's fair. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And obviously. You know, Candyman 2 and Candyman 3 um, are really lackluster, but I think, <laughs> I feel like uh, the re- recently, you know, the reboot is just such an amazing movie because it, it builds on this lore from the first one, mm-hmm. but also establishes its own new lore and just that ending, like, oh my God, that, that, that the newer Candyman, if people haven't seen it, it, I think it's a fucking modern masterpiece. It is such a good movie. Hell yeah. Um, and I just think that in whole, that Candyman uh, um, deserves more respect than it gets. It's not just your typical slasher fare. There's a lot more, you know, uh, themes and elements to it. Um, so I, I, it's, it's just another one of those that I really heavily recommend hell yeah uh i agree but, what's yeah. uh but what's uh what's your what's your final pick for 1992 so real quick before i jump i just want to do a couple more last shout outs for 1992 we have um you know uh a full moon features uh, demonic toys which is just ridiculous and spawned its own low budget outrageous franchise uh, Children of the Corn 2 is a pretty solid sequel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have uh, uh, Dr. Giggles, which um, I love Larry Drake. Uh, 
you know, he was in a couple episodes of Tales from the Crypt that are fantastic. Um, he's in this. He's uh, he plays um, the main antagonist in the in the first two Dark Man movies. Um, oh, Larry that's Drake. fucking right. The- Larry Drake is amazing. Uh, and then the last movie I want to sh- shout out from '92 is, um, and I don't think it's as strong as the series, but uh, Twin Peaks Firewalk with Me. Definitely, uh, I was thinking about that too. It, it it's worth shouting out for sure. Yeah, I just I feel like they were maybe like a little too ambitious with it, and kind of and kind of swung for the fences, and it just wasn't the home run that they were hoping for because that just i still unfortunately i still haven't seen um and i still need to see the uh more oh, the recent more recent series yeah, yeah i haven't seen i haven't had a chance to see it yet either because it was on like showtime or something like that and i was like ah oh, man i'm not paying for showtime just for that but, but i need original- to get my paws on the original twin peaks is so great though oh my so god so <laughs> much about it is so fucking great i cannot i cannot say that enough like if you haven't ever dug into it you need to yeah man it, it just there's just something about it where parts of it are just so weird and so like uh dreamlike there's just so many different elements to it uh oh my it, like you can't like nothing you're gonna say about it is gonna do it justice because it's just that Agreed. it's amazing you need people need to watch it Agreed. but um the last pick i need i want to talk about and uh you know we mentioned that we're kind of a little um stephen king heavy and this is obviously okay so you know he directed um he only directed one movie uh which i love called maximum overdrive and that movie is heavily panned um and that's fine rightfully so it's it's just the concept itself is kind of out there but another one of the, his movies that he's associated with uh that gets a lot of hate is sleepwalkers um he wrote this wasn't based on uh, a previous work he specifically wrote this screenplay screenplay for this movie um and it was directed by uh mick garris who um you know really didn't necessarily direct a lot but is still a very respected uh person mm-hmm. in the horror community and he went on to create masters of horror um but uh you know yeah. and that and there's just this movie like it's just such a, a wild ass concept about these two like uh vampiric shapeshifter like creatures they're essentially you know they're in human form but they can also take the form of like bipedal like uh like where werewolf creatures essentially um you know and they have powers you know there's scenes in the movie where uh the character charles um you know he he makes his car change from a red car to a blue car and they have powers where they can become invisible they have telekinesis uh, that's cool but, but their weakness is cats and there's just <laughs> you know there's uh a lot of good um you know ron perlman's in it uh we just talked about twin peaks and uh uh madchen amick is in it i probably pronounced her name terribly wrong but um she's in it and there's also a bunch of uh you know, there's a Stephen King cameo, but there's also some kind of like blink and you miss it cameos from, and listen to these names. So John Landis, Toby Hooper, and Joe Dante all have like little bit parts as like lab, lab, 
lab tech lab assistant yeah <laughs> that's crazy man that's super cool like and that but that's 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 you know like the the credit the weight that like stephen king brings to something like he's involved in it like all these other like people who've been like making horror movies staples and all these things they definitely you know they want to be a part of that project because that's just mm-hmm. like i don't know i mean that's just super cool though but yeah like yeah. I, I imagine like they yeah what fun there's just some there's just some crazy scenes in this movie like there's a scene where uh um there's this there's there's this cop this character that's a cop that has uh, a pet cat uh, called Clovis that he brings with him everywhere. And there's a scene where he, he uh, is chasing Charles, uh, his character, and they're right up next to him. And the cat sees Charles, and Charles' face like really quickly changes from his face to a baby's face to the were cat's face. It's great. Uh, oh. There's also a death scene involving a corn on the cob, which is uh, pr- <laughs> pretty uh, spectacular. Um, yeah, it's just a wild, wild out there. Uh, I love it. I, it's it's a, one of my biggest guilty pleasures. Um, I don't care whatever hate it gets. I will uh, I will recommend this movie to anybody just just for the wild fucking plot and the wild elements. It's very very much king like. Um, Hell yeah! <laughs> and I think wild, that's man. that's that's one of the great parts about it you know it's it's, it's it, you can tell it's a for better or for worse you can tell stephen king had a hand in it you know what i mean yeah Fuck um, him. but even even with someone like him you know what i mean not everything that you write or 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 attached to is gonna be a hit you're gonna you're gonna have your misses and that's totally fine fair it is fine but the the, the, the especially somebody like king the the hits are so many and when they hit they fucking hit <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah hell yeah uh any other like final like uh shout outs or anything like that that last minute popping into your head um not really that i can think of uh there were some interesting I, apparently in 1990 there was a um uh, Toby Hooper, it was a TV movie uh, called I'm Dangerous Tonight, and it had Anthony Perkins in it. Uh, oh. And um, it sounds kind of interesting. There's also uh, uh, kind of probably, like, obviously, judging by the title, it was more of like a low-budget. Um, uh, and it wasn't like a Roger Corman or a Charles Band movie, but it's it's definitely in that vein called I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle, which sounds really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound hella interesting. <laughs> I wonder what a vampire motorcycle is like. <laughs> but yeah, I just, you know, uh, I know that um, it's crazy because, you know, there's, there's, we just talked about a bunch of pretty solid 90s movies in this. And I know that as the 90s goes on, like, um, it just horror wasn't in the best place. And, you know, when we get to, the later episodes we're obviously going to talk about scream and how it came along and totally revitalized uh the genre but it's just wild for me to think that when there's all these good movies that we just mentioned that came out in the early 90s so yeah i agree it's sometimes like i i think about the 90s as like this a little bit of a pit but then you remember that like there were some really like solid things i just I think got overshadowed by 
like the bigger studio attempts to make that like you know like other horror like you know like they, there's some really big flops along the way that like yeah. i think you know kind of tainted the horror pool during this decade a little bit until until some better things came along but like we noted during during this episode you have uh movies like silence of the lambs which is the only horror movie that has ever won a fucking best picture award like that came out in in the 90s you know what i mean exactly like shit like that so yeah well hell yeah man um uh, yeah, we'll we'll leave it leave this episode off here. We will be doing another follow up because uh, you know we've mentioned it before. We're gonna we're gonna do uh, another kind of regular movie episode uh, for the next one, but then we'll follow back up with the next three three years uh, out of the '90s where we'll pick apart a few more. But totally. Keep coming back for more, and we'll keep recording them. Uh, in the meantime, make sure uh, you know you dip yourself into that old heart radio corn batter and turn yourself into a corn dog, you filthy little hot dogs. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, all right. Any uh, any last words on your end, my friend? No, I know I say it all the time, but you know, just go watch some more. I think that's a great way to end it. You heard the man. <laughs>